welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO Podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And today's guest is Dr. Mark Wiseman. He's CIO at Title Health. Welcome, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to dive into our topic du jour today. We're talking about conversions and legacy data. But before we go there, tell us a little bit about yourself and Title Health. Sure. So I'm an internal medicine doctor. I've been practicing over 20 years. And I was in Virginia for most of my career, but moved to the Eastern Shore of Maryland to help a health system here called Title Health. Uh That's two hospitals. And we serve a fairly rural area. And um, I was the CMIO, and now I'm the CIO and the CMIO, basically a CMIO with a budget. Uh-huh. And I get, to, I get to do cool things and help the community and help the doctors and nurses be able to be more effective. So love what I do and love who I work with. Yeah. So talk about that a little, like, I mean, you kind of pointed out your CMIO with a budget. So yeah. What was that transition from CMIO to CIO? You know, what did that change look like? And do you suggest it for other CMIOs? I think it's great for other CMIOs. And I think we're seeing more of this, sorry, for other CMIOs, we're seeing this change where the CMIO can do many of the CIO functions fairly easily. That whole, you know, the, the EMR bit, the CMIO's got that part down really well. All right, you got to add in some cybersecurity and learn a little bit about cloud infrastructure. So you got to learn a little bit, uh-huh. but it, I have a really, really good person who does the, the hardcore tech stuff. I'm not looking at packets going over the wire. That's not, <laughs> but I've got someone really good who can do that when something's not working right. And so it's a little scary, I think, for doctors to say, okay, I'm going to try to make that leap to CIO. It, it's, not, it's not an insurmountable leap. It, there, yes, going back to school for, for some more classes on cybersecurity. Yes, absolutely, I'm doing that. That's my night job. But <laughs> it's, totally, it's totally worth it. And so I get to take all that knowledge that I acquired from the, from the medicine side. But now I have resources that I can help deploy towards making some of these problems better for the front line. I know what those problems are. I've lived them. I know exactly where the pain points are. And I happen to have the, uh, a really strong business background as well. So I understand what the CFO wants and what they need to be supported and how to make the organization more efficient with technology. So I get to do that too. I, I just get to play with toys all day. That's, that's yeah. Really- no, I, I think that's interesting. It's the eternal question. Is it easier to teach a doctor tech or a tech person healthcare? You know, like it's the eternal question. Although, you know, I, the best argument I've heard for a CMIO not to become a CIO is because they need more doctors. <laughs> You're only running out of them. You're <laughs> true to that. How, and that's, but you need someone who understands the, the technology, the clinical, knows how to lead, knows the business. That's all. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Find one of those. Yeah, that's all it takes. Just those three degrees. 
no, you're right, though. I mean, I think it's true. Anyone could learn it, right? If they if they take enough time and, you know, have some, you know, and do the work. So now it's interesting, you know, Tidal Health moved from Cerner to Epic. So talk to me about that process and maybe what lessons you learned during that move. Sure. So our flagship hospital, I guess the larger hospital was on Epic and we merged with another hospital up the road and they were on Cerner. And it is very difficult to understand your business when you're on these two different EMRs. Yep. It's hard to move patients back and forth. It's hard to understand the, the, the data that you get out of each. And so you're trying to run your business. It's very complicated. Nevertheless, after saying all that, the best EMR in the world is the one that you're currently on because switching is painful. Mm -hmm. And the, the lessons learned is you got to figure out what you want to take out of that old EMR and bring it over. Because having the doctors and nurses running in two screens, you got Cerner up on one screen and Epic on the other, and you're trying to copy and paste data back and forth. I don't recommend that. It's not ideal, but it's going to be necessary because you can't take everything. And you're not going to know everything that you're going to need. So you pick, you pick the important points. Governance matters on this one. So talk to me about that. How did you approach that legacy data, you know, you know, from, you know, to, when you did the move uh, from Cerner to Epic, like what, what did you need to move and what did you choose? It sounds like you didn't move everything. You can't move everything. It's probably cost prohibitive to move everything. So how did you approach it? So what we, and we're still in the process of doing it for go live. We knew we needed like the most recent labs and the doctor's notes. That was going to be really important. Gotcha. The billing staff, we kind of said, you know, you're going to have to go collect the insurance information again. There's just no time to get that stuff to come in. But finance likes having that stuff. So we said, look, we, we were, we're going to archive that because we're in a situation where we were buying Cerner and it was hosted with them. So when Cerner goes away, poof, the data is gone. It's not like we have access. So we've got to bring that data. We've got to archive it and make it available for those people who are gonna need it. But it's, oh, you know, three years ago, we needed to go back and look at something. It's that kind of one-off, it's important for healthcare, but it's, it's not the most current stuff. We know we need to bring the most current stuff right to the fingertips of the doctors as easy as we can. So it's a tough process. Interesting. So you decided to divide it, the labs, the notes you you converted and moved from Cerner to Epic, and then the other you decided to archive. Uh, I, I, Harmony is providing that archiving solution, and, and that's what you decided to do there? Yes, and we've worked with them before, and what we determined was, hey, we don't want to have more than one archiving vendor. Because from your clinician standpoint, they're going into the, they, for us to get to the um, health data archive. It's one click from within Epic, single sign-on right in. Doctors don't even really know. They, they kind of say, okay, it's a different interface a little bit, but they think it's part of Epic, they're, they're, they're in there. Now imagine that you're gonna take them into a different experience for a different set of data. Eh, that's, not, that's not a good experience. So right. we've worked with them before and they did a really good job for us in terms of making the data easy to find. And that's really what the doctors and nurses want. They don't want to go spending hours digging through legacy archives. They want the stuff at their fingertips. So that's what we're achieving. That's what we're, and we're still working on the Cerner part. It's not done. It's a, 
12 month project to get all of that data over. So it's a, it's a lot because we're also talking about um, bringing over. I mean, everything was in sort of the billing, the, the front office, back office, the, all of it, all the appointments were in there, everything. Yeah, absolutely. So talk about, you know, you mentioned data governance, right? What, what's the key to that successful conversion and then eventually decommissioning of the legacy system? And how does data governance play into that as well? So when you ask providers, what do they want? They'll everything. Say, everything. <laughs> I have a friend I, and I call her a digital hoarder. It's because she doesn't throw out any piece of digital data ever. And uh-huh. it's, it's fine. And so we roll with it. But it's so much easier if you can say this is what's important. And the problem with doctors is that we go, well, you, you don't know. Like maybe, maybe two years from now, I'm going to have this case and I'm going to need this really weird piece of data that I, that's going to solve everything. Uh-huh. Reality is unlikely, but it is possible. So you do have to make choices though. And so you have to go through your note types. All right, we're going to take the history and physicals and the progress notes, but do, do we really need the, um, the, the telephone encounters? Well, it's a piece of the chart. Maybe you got to make that choice. Someone's got to make that. And so that's where you got to get your clinicians together and they got to make that choice. And it's a tough choice, but it's a lot better outcome if they've made the choice. And then when they say, I can't get to X, well, remember we, we sat down together and we made these decisions and we did that around labs and imaging. And you you have to sit down and say, all right, how far back do you want to go? That's another question you got to answer is, do you want to go back three months, six months, three years? And well, we decided to go back two years. Is that the right number? I don't know. We made it up. We pulled it out of thin air. Just felt right. No reason. So, yeah. well, and to your point, if the doctors agree that, okay, two years feels like enough, then, you know, if they come back later and say, why don't you have three years? Then <laughs> you say, remember that discussion, right? And so having the buy-in is important. And it wasn't just doctors that we needed to get in the room. We had separate conversations with the finance front front office people. So, all right, what do they need to see? It's great if they can look up the last insurance card information real quick and easy, um, but how far back do you go? How, you know, how good is an insurance card from four years ago? Probably not that good. So yeah. you know, what I did frequently was I said, all right, do you need, do you need 10 years ago? Like something ridiculous. You know, and start there. And then I would work, work them forward until they start to get a little uncomfortable. Like, well, I start to need that. Then I start to know where the sweet spot is. So that's how I did it. I just started at the extreme and, and I would usually go from at both extremes. Okay. Do you, do you only want yesterday's? No, we need more than that. And then we can <laughs> kind of narrow that down until we got, we got to a reasonable number. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. And so is that what you did? You did two years converted from Cerner to Epic, but then you, you need a lot of you know those phone notes you might need for the legal medical record or things like that. And, and so then you chose to archive those to Harmony Healthcare IT's archiving solution? That's correct. And my digital order friend happens to be in the risk management area. And so oh, she really? <laughs> throws away nothing. So yeah, you have to keep every scrap of paper in case there is a child in that data set and that child is a newborn. You got to keep it till they're at the age of 21 or it, it just, you keep it forever is the bottom line. But, and that's probably an over, um, an over need in terms of the archiving, but 
once it's in, it's kind of easy and it's not that expensive to keep it the hard, but the expensive part's putting data in. So as a CIO, that's where my expense is, but you compare that expense to leaving Cerner live, which is seven figures compared to archiving, which is low six figures. And then the ongoing maintenance is in the low five figures. And so, yeah, we're, we're able to do this very economically. And so keeping it around for as long as my risk management colleagues, like it's not worth, that's not where I'm gonna choose to have my battles. And that's as a CIO, you gotta, you gotta pick and choose. This is the only one to, to have the fight. You just, you just, this is where to spend the money um, to yeah. buy these. Well, like you, I've done a lot of work with Harmony Healthcare IT, and I've, I've learned that there's, everyone takes a different approach, right? Like if you're in a rural one, hey, these are my friends. I want to keep as much data as possible to take care of my friends. If you're in an urban one, they're like, get rid of the data. I don't want liability, <laughs> right? Like, uh, you know, like whenever the legal requirement is, uh, we'll keep it, of course, right? We have to do that. But after that, I want it gone because I don't want that 10-year-old data that we don't have to keep. So it's interesting, the whole balance between regulatory versus liability versus you know, continuity of care. And then of course we have research organizations as well. So everyone looks at, oh, well, you just keep it, right? And you're like, well, no, it's a little more complicated than that. It's interesting too, that the dynamics have changed a little bit. I'm gonna get real controversial on you. Health sure. systems can sell de-identified data. Pharmaceutical companies love that kind of data to help see, okay, a patient was on this drug, how did they do over time? And that data, has value. So throwing it away, now you're, you're, you're throwing away an asset. And so there are organizations who are keeping that in mind. You know what? I'm not going to throw anything away because there's value if we ever go to de-identify it and sell it for research or sell it for, for pharmaceutical uh, evaluations. Um, that, that leads to that hoarding <laughs> mentality. You keep it then forever in case there's one day financial value to it. So um, it's a little controversial. Uh, we, we don't do this at Title Health yet, but I can picture one day the time will come where there are healthcare organizations who have come out publicly and said, look, we're going to de-identify that data and help the, the health systems move forward in terms of research by pooling all this data together. Yeah. And what I've found is that, you know, a patient with a chronic condition wants that data shared so that they can discover the clinical trials and things like that. So there's definitely a move that direction. Absolutely. What advice would you have for maybe another CIO who's going through kind of a similar process? Any, any lessons learned that you're like, oh man, I wish I would have thought about this for, or something you did that you're like, I'm really glad we did this. Starting early on the, on this process, mm. you can't ever have enough time. And so we tried to do the conversion in nine months. We really needed more. We were able to get it done, but there was a decent amount of stress on the team and a lot of long, late hours worked. I would recommend leaving as much time, more than a year if you can, if you know you're gonna be doing this and starting that governance process of figuring out what do you want? And then what caused a lot of the delays is when you're leaving an EMR vendor, they're not really lining up resources to help <laughs> you. That's, and I get it. Their business is to bring in new people, not to help existing ones leave. And so things slow down when you go to get that data out and how it comes out and working with your archiving solution people about what they need to get the data right. And that tends to be relatively easy. But then getting the data 
from the vendor and the contracting that has to go on around that, get that done early. That's yeah. my advice. It takes a lot yeah. of stress off when that's done. Well, it's good advice. I've heard that before, right? Where people delayed it and they're like, oh, wait, yeah, what about the old data? Because we're so focused on like, what's the new workflow and what's the mapping and how do we train our staff and all that? You're like, oh, wait, what about the old data? And sometimes it becomes an afterthought. So that's, that's great advice. You know, moving kind of beyond this project, what are some of the other exciting projects you're working on that, you know, you got some AI going? What, what, what's interesting happening in your organization? So healthcare is a little far behind in the use of voice technology and that voice interface. So I can tell Alexa to order me a pizza, which she probably just did now that I said that. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> so, great, but I can't tell my EMR, uh, hey, order me a CAT scan. And so I'm starting to line us up and position us for that eventual transition. I think that will happen. And there's technologies out there. So part one is to get the doctors to just start using mobile tools, getting them to use the, their iPhone or iPad to put notes in or to search for things. And there is technology today where you can say, hey, Epic, show me the last colonoscopy. That's great. Epic is working on that next step of, hey, order the, 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 the test. So that's gonna happen and that changes the dynamic. Now as a doctor, I'm no longer looking at my keyboard, fingers down, trying to you know, hunt and peck. Now we're having a conversation, I just turn my head and say, hey computer, I need one of these. And the computer will then go and do it. That is phenomenal. We're really not quite there yet. It's not that easy, but I'm trying to position us and get the, the, the bleeding edge people who want to be doing that in our organization started, get them moving forward on some of that initiative. So that's just, that's just one. And yeah, that's artificial intelligence. That's the processing the voice information behind the scenes. Um, and I'd say the other one in, in using some artificial intelligence has to do with, um, we're, we're trying to make it so that uh, the back office is, is efficient. We have hundreds of people behind the scenes that shuffle paper around, literally paper fax machines where you still hear the fax tones going and it's <laughs> only in healthcare. And so the insurance company says, we're not going to pay that claim unless you send us the note. So there's a human that goes into the chart, gets the note, faxes it, sends it up to a portal or something. Well, turns out robots can do that. Artificial intelligence can recognize what's a note and that the insurance company wants it and connect those dots and send that information. So we're seeing that to make healthcare more efficient and more cost effective is we have to get that kind of waste. It's not huge value added. When you're in the bed in, in the ICU, you're not thinking about, well, I hope that billing person is really knocking it out of the park. They're not adding it to <laughs> value to your care. They're helping to keep the lights on, but they're not directly providing care. You want the money being spent on the nurses that are caring for you. And so if we can make the organizations more efficient, then we can start to shift some of that. It's going to, it's a long journey. We're nowhere near. And also for the people who are doing that work now, don't worry, there's plenty of work still to do. It's just the more complicated things. Let the easy things, the mundane things that drive them nuts, let the computer do that. Yeah. 
And there's some good digital facts so you can get rid of that fact sound too. But, uh, you know, the voice comment is interesting though, because it is such a cultural shift, right? Uh, you know, I mean, even in my house, you know, starting to use the voice technology, it took a little while. But now, interestingly enough, I was sitting in a hotel room and I wanted to know what time it was. And I was about to ask <laughs> my voice assistant. I was like, oh yeah, I'm in the hotel room. I don't have it. <laughs> so it's interesting. It takes time to change that culture for your doctors to order the x-ray to order whatever it might be right uh but once it changes then it's like you know you fall in love with it so there's probably very few people i think that right now go to a weather website and look up the weather they just hey i'm not going to say her name because she'll start talking to me but yeah. hey blank <laughs> what's the weather and there it is so yeah we need to get there in healthcare for so many different things in both the front, you know, at the point of care, as well as behind the scenes, that we should be using more voice technology because we can speak and, and think quicker than we can usually type. Yep. Great. So we always like to end these uh, podcasts with a little bit of career advice. So, you know, what advice would you give maybe a, a doctor that wants to get into more of the IT side of things? You know, you know, maybe they're not even a CMIO yet, but, you know, they, they see some potential in the informatics side. What advice would you give them? So for those who are really early in their career, there is that informatics fellowship. And it's two years devoted to informatics. It, I was grandfathered in, so I didn't have to do that. I just have to take the really big hard test. Um, but I, I do think that there's a lot of value to learning it right and taking the time to devote that time and effort and energy to it. For those that are already out, once you've started your family and you're in practice, the odds of you going back into fellowship are, are probably less likely. Yeah. The, the financial implications as well as the time implications, that's tough. Sure. So in that case, you're really looking just to join the committees. The, the, the informatics committees are out there and they're talking probably on a regular basis about, hey, what, what can we do in the CMR to make it better? And being a part of that is where you start. And from there, you figure out, do you want to stay on that informatics side, putting the data in, or do you want to be on the analytics side? taking the data out and figuring out what it's saying. I started on the analytics side and loved it. I, I thought that you can learn so much about how healthcare happens by looking at that data. And to me, that was fascinating. So you find your passion and you just go down that path. It'll lead you to new and exciting places. That's awesome. Great advice, Mark. And thanks so much for taking time to share about this uh, experience. Uh, you know, to your point, uh, everyone's favorite EHR is the one in front of them. Uh, and so, you know, making sure you convert the data the right way is such an important topic. So thanks for sharing your experience and thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting application. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks for having me.